Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place to keep up with everything that's going on in the world of men's professional volleyball, which is an exciting world, by the way. There's some good stuff going on. So in this podcast, I'm going to give you guys more of my VNL previews. Interestingly enough, a couple of the rosters came out between the time when I recorded and edited them. So it'll be interesting to see my predictions and then right after I'll share with you guys the actual roster and give my predictions starting lineups, yada, yada, yada. Also, I'll give you guys my recap on the VLA Cup, an American professional sports league that my good friend Rob on the European Volleyball Show is the commentator for. So go over a big finals there. Really well done by them. Very fun match to watch. So hope that sounds interesting to you and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Next up, we have Italy at number eight. I'm going to play you guys some of my recording that I did before the roster was announced. And then, you know, I'll just jump back in, reveal the real roster and talk about that. Now, some of you guys may think this is a, a little bit low for, a, you know, a team with Ivan Zaitsev, Osmani Wantarena, Simone Gianelli, Massimo Colacci, Simone Anzani. Some, some big names on this roster for sure. But if Italy's past tournaments are anything to go by, they probably won't send all those guys to Nations League, even though it is happening in Italy. And after those big names for Italy, there is quite a steep drop-off. For example, who's going to play opposite behind Zaitsev? Gabriele Nelli kind of had a bad season in Belgorod. Julio Penali had one of the least efficient seasons in all of the Italian league. And thank goodness they have Alessandro Micheletto out there on the left side, because without Osmani Wantarena, it was kind of looking a little bit desperate over who they were going to start. So assuming Juan Terena and Zaitsev don't play, and but Gianelli does play, I think the lineup will be something along the lines of uh, Alessandro Micheletto and Daniele Lavia on the left side. Gabriele Nelly, I guess, <laughs> probably playing opposite. We'll see if any of the veteran middle blockers decide they want to play. But if not, they still have Roberto Russo. Alberto Polo and Gianluca Galassi, three fairly solid middles, if not stars. And of course, same as the 2019 VNL, Fabio Belasso playing libero. And, and actually, I feel like Fabio Belasso, he's had a great season in Lube. He was so big for them in that win against Perugia in the finals. He did an incredible job in reception against some very tough servers and guys like Wilfredo Leon, Ole Plotnitschke, and Sebastian Soleil. That is going to be a huge asset to Italy and, you know, I feel like Belasso is probably right now who I would pick as my Olympic starting libero over Kalachi. And while that lineup for sure has some talented players on it, I feel like it's lacking a little bit of firepower, especially without a big opposite. You have Micheletto in there who's, you know, fantastic. I love Micheletto. I've said so many good things about him on the podcast before, but, you know, he's not a huge offensive threat to attack. So with this lineup, who's going to score the points, right? There's nobody they can really throw the ball to in high ball situations that I would trust. And that's why I have them lower on this ranking. Even though, you know, it's, it's a pretty talented team full of Italian league starters. But it's going to be tough for them with those young guys to compete with more veteran teams that are coming up next. I think this is actually the right strategy for Italy, though. We're getting to the level of teams that probably have some Olympic medal aspirations. 
And Italy has one really big question mark in their Olympic starting lineup, which is who is going to be the second outside hitter next to Osmani Wantarena. And I think this VNL, the big goal of it is to find out who that will be. For me, the obvious answer right now is Alessandro Micheletto. The other guys they can consider, Daniele Lavia, Oleg Antonov, maybe Filippo Lanza. He had a pretty good season there in Monza. And I feel like Guiacomo, Raffaele, and Oresta Cavuto had really poor seasons. Uh, Cavuto in the Italian League for Sisterna and Raffaele in Poitiers in France. I feel like those two guys are going to age up out of the national team system. They haven't really shown that they can compete on the next level. All right, so I wasn't entirely wrong about Italy. I think the main surprise to me based on, on my preview is that Simone Gianelli is not going to be joining the team. I mean, on the one hand, it makes sense to a certain extent. He has kind of graduated out of like the junior players that he had to play with the junior players every time because they were his age, even though they were developing and he was already a star. And on the other hand, you know, I really like Ricardo Spertoli. I think he had a career year. I think people don't realize how young he is. He's only born in 1998 just because he's bald and has a beard and, and looks like he's 35. He actually is quite young. So I think he'll do a great job, obviously a downgrade on Gianelli, but I'm sure it's fine. They're, with this roster, they're not competitive anyway because I'll tell you guys the rest of them. Eight might have been a little generous here. The opposite, like I said, it's uh, Nelly and Pinali, the position I'm most worried about. Don't want to rely on either of those guys to score too many points. I still feel like we're going to see more Nelly than Pinali, though. I still trust him a bit more. He does, you know, he, he does have the size, 6'10", 6'11". Unfortunately, the skill and the athleticism hasn't been there to, to back it up. Outside hitter is trending quite young with obviously Alessandro Micheletto, who I'm very excited to see and, and hopefully more people know about him after this tournament. Francesco Riccine, the like six foot tall outside hitter that started for Ravenna. So he's really fun to watch being able to start in Italy at only six feet as an outside hitter. Very impressive. Marco Patolo, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, talked about him several times after some great Padova games. He kind of came out of nowhere, wasn't really in the youth development system for Italy but had a great year for Padova like was one of their best players somehow and hopefully he's going to get some looks as well I'm sure the one guy who I was wrong about is Oreste Cavuto I'm surprised he got another chance because he's included in the roster as well no Guiacomo uh Raffaele but even even having Cavuto on there I mean for me being almost 25 and this is what you show you can't even start on the worst team in the Italian league I feel like the redemption is a little too late. I'm sure I'm sure he's a good player. He's not terrible, but it's definitely not looking likely that he can be a, a positive contributor at kind of a world championships, Olympics level. And then lastly, we have Davide Gardini, the son of the legendary Andrea Gardini. He's actually playing in the US at BYU, who came in, lost in the semifinals of the NCAA championships. Gardini's been a pretty solid contributor on their team, kind of playing second fiddle on the wings to Gabby Garcias, who I might get to soon with a big transfer bomb here. But I guess the most surprising omission from this list is Daniele Lavia. For me, he, see, he still seems young enough to join a team like this. Not sure what the reason for not including him was. Middle blockers, we have Roberto Russo, Gianluca Galassi, Andrea Cortigia, and Leandro Mosca. Unfortunately, Roberto Russo tore his Achilles, I believe, already in practice, which is 
absolutely heartbreaking an achilles injury to a guy who's 6'10 6'11 is, is a really tough injury to come back from and right before you know possibly a summer where he plays a, a huge role on an important team and gets a chance to to play for his country in the olympics so that's really tough to see glassy makes sense two young guys in cortesia and mosca and mosca is pretty interesting to me because he's really tall 209 centimeters maybe even grown since then he's a young guy so that's about mm, you know, close to seven feet tall, 6'11", seven feet tall, which Italy doesn't usually have that size. They usually have their middle blockers, you know, 6'8", 6'9". So to have a guy who's a little bigger, a little more physical, and is only 20 years old right now, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Saw him a couple times out on Milano. Wasn't too impressed by his skill level or anything, but, I mean, can't teach height. And then again, another surprising omission here is Alberto Polo, who I thought kind of fit in the Roberto Russo Gianluca Galassi mold around that level of player. Who knows, maybe he'll be the replacement for Russo. At the libero position, of course, we have Fabio Belasso, who like Gianelli, you know, you could have a case that he's graduated from this group because he's probably, I would say, like relative to his position, the best, actually, no, for sure, relative to his position, the best player on this list. And he'll be joined by Filippo Federici, who started for Monza last year, only 20 years old, and Leonardo Sconfurla. Again, another 22-year-old who started all year for Piacenza. So a couple good Italian libero prospects. Can't say too, too much about them because I haven't scouted them too thoroughly. But Italy's always producing just solid liberos. And usually not top, top elite tier liberos, but a lot of very good ones. So with this roster, I would change their rating probably just about last. Maybe just above the Netherlands and... Australia, but probably wouldn't put them in the same tier as Slovenia and Germany. My number 17 here, guys, was a pretty tough one to pick because they could really go from like literally the last place team to the first place team, depending on what kind of lineup they bring, and that's Serbia. So as you guys know, right off the bat, Serbia has some huge names in volleyball. Alexander Tanasevich, Sreko Lizanac, Marko Podrashinin, Uroš Kovacevic, Nemanja Petric, Marko Ivovic, all top-tier players at their positions, especially those middle blockers, man. They are tough to beat. But as we've seen in the past, Serbia is definitely not a lock to bring their top lineup. They're one of the teams that will frequently rest their top players and, and bring like a second lineup or even you know third lineup guys. And Serbia doesn't have the depth of some of the better countries like Brazil Poland, Russia, and France. I put them seven and not lower where they finished in the past when they haven't brought the lineup though because they're not competing in the Olympics. They should be. They're good enough, but they're not going to be at the Olympics. So their only other tournament of note this summer is Eurovolley 21 taking place in September. So for me, I mean, given that they had last summer off, it's not really a huge ask for Serbia to try and do something here at Volleyball Nations League. I mean, they might as well. And while these guys aren't super old yet, I mean, Padrashinin and Petric are both 33. They're getting up there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of them uh, decided to retire from the national team after Eurovolley this year. They are the reigning Eurovolley champion. So you guys know, like, this is a top-tier elite team when they have their full lineup together. Of course, it could go the opposite way. Like, for example, when I went to watch the 2019 VNL in Ottawa, we saw guys like Lazar Sirovic, Milan Kadic, Vuk Todorovic lining up for Serbia. 
which, you know, is a huge step down from their starting lineup. And those guys, you know, I don't know if they would even start for Australia or the Netherlands. It's a, it's a huge step down. Another interesting question, if you've been listening to this podcast, you like pro volleyball, so you know that Alexander Tanasevich was injured for most of the year with Perugia, only came back right at the end of the year. And to be honest, didn't really look like his usual Alexander Tanasevich self, which to me is one of the best opposites in all of volleyball. Devastating serve, efficient attacking, pretty skilled as well. Back row defense, blocking, secondary hands, that kind of thing. But definitely didn't look 100% at the end of the season with Perugia. He was out all season. We'll see if he's back fully recovered with the Serbian national team. I'm interested to see if he has like a recovery plan outside of the national team or they're going to use VNL to kind of bring him back into game shape. But it's an interesting question because... The backup opposite, Drazen Luberic, had an incredible season in Lo- Lokomotiv Novosibirsk. Among the league leaders in scoring and leading the league in aces, was their leading scorer in a pretty good playoff run. He's looking great, especially that service is so useful, especially compared to what Atanasevich is serving right now. So I could see, I don't know, it's gonna, it's a real decision whether to take Atanasevich or Luberic. Both those guys are great, and I feel bad for... Uh, Dusan Pekovic from Skral Belchatov and Bozidar Vucicevic, another great player. I mean, it's just tough to compete with the level of opposites that Serbia has. Like, Bozidar Vucicevic, I would for sure start on Italy. Like, he would be a huge asset for them. But unfortunately, that's not the way this works. You can't pick and choose who plays on your national team. So Serbia is going to have to make do with what they have. And I think one of the biggest limitations for them is, and has been for the last few years, Nikola Jovovich, the setter, in my opinion, I mean, I don't think there's a worse setter if I just look through the teams. I mean, for me, you would probably have to go all the way down to Australia with Arash Dosanjo or the Netherlands with like a Wessel Kiemenker, Heis von Solkema to find a guy on the level of jo- Jovovich. And uh, honestly, I would probably take von Solkema and maybe Dosanjo over Jovovich as well. I don't think he's a great setter for this team, especially because he's not great at playing in the middles, which for this team could be a huge asset. Yes, he can set the high balls out to Kovacevic and Petric and Atanasevic or whoever, the wings. But a team like this, you would love to play with the middles a little bit more. Which is why I think we're going to see a little bit of Alexander Batak, who was the backup setter for Ravina this season. A young guy coming up through the Serbian system. I mean, we know Serbia can produce good setters. Nikola Gerbic is an absolute legend, so... This team with a good setter for me is one of the favorites, but again, we don't know who they're going to send and if they're going to have that backup team playing in VNL. The next team that announced their roster, Vladimir Alenkno and Iran, which is always funny to hear that he's the coach of Iran. It'll be interesting to see how he gets along with this squad. So anyway, here's my preview, and then I'll share with you guys the real roster and my thoughts. This is definitely a very different roster than I thought they would be bringing. So here we are, the top six. These are the six teams that I guess right now I would probably pick to make the final six, which if you guys didn't know is the format for Nations League. It's not like a top eight tournament format. It's actually top six where there's two pools of three teams and then the top two teams from each of those two pools after a round robin will move on. Crossover, first place team in pool A, play second place team in pool B. Yada, yada, yada. And the team I have at number six is Iran. Now, Iran kind of burst on the scene with a very strong showing at the 2019 VNL, of course. 
I don't know if I would pick them to replicate that third place finish, but I mean, they are, I mean, they're, they're a strong team. And I feel like people underrate Iran a little bit sometimes. They won the U21 2019 World Championships. Amir Esfandiar, the MVP of that one, the like 6'11 outside hitter. The 21-year-old played his first season overseas last year with Greenyard Mosaic. And for me, it was a little bit of a disappointing season. I didn't follow the Belgian league super, super closely, so others might have a better idea. But from what I saw, he I expected him to be like one of the MVPs, one of the best players in the entire league. And I'm not sure if he fulfilled that. He did sit on the bench for a couple of key games, it looked like. So I think there's still some skill to be developed for Amir's Fandiar and looking forward to what we can see from him in this summer's lineup. But really, Iran's a great team, but the issue is they really are kind of built around Maruf. I mean, he's an incredible setter, in my opinion, probably probably the most entertaining one in the entire world. The stuff he does on the court is amazing. Of course, he does give up a lot on the block. His decision-making is not, I would say, even in the same league as someone like Ben Taniuti or William Arjona, but his actual technical skill is almost unmatched. And, oh, man, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play again because... Didn't really get to see much of him playing in the Chinese league last year. Although, congrats, Beijing winning the finals with also Eros Kovacevic. Anyway, Maruf and this younger generation, I feel like there's they're not really lined up. I feel like Maruf is a little old, and these guys are a little too young right now. I don't know if they're going to catch Maruf's window. Although, Maruf is a setter I can see aging well. Are they really going to be able to start him in 2024? As a 39-year-old, that's going to be tough. Of course, there are younger setters, younger players that will replace him, but I don't think they'll be able to replicate the type of offense that Maruf is able to run. There's players I'm excited for to see on Iran, like Amir Sfandiar, who I mentioned before. I think uh, Hazretpour, the libero, I think is quite underrated. I think he's very, very technically skilled libero, who I think after this tournament will enter into the conversation a bit more as like a top 20, 25 libero. Amir Tukta played in Slovenia this year, so he has some pro experience under his belt. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a few other guys from that team that we haven't really been able to see too much professionally who will play a big role in VNL, so we'll see. I guess the only negative thing about Iran is that Sayed Musavi did look a little bit washed up in his last season. I'm not sure if they can rely on him being like the kind of elite top-tier middle that he was playing for the national team previously. All right, present day Dan back with the updated roster. At center, we have Maruf and Mohamed Tahirwadi, which is surprising to me that they didn't bring one of the young setters that was part of their youth team. For example, Javad Karim, that played on Mosaic last year, so a guy who played pro overseas in a European league, got that experience, was part of a very successful youth team. For me, I don't know. I guess the other guys are more experienced, played in international matches, but I guess it's what Allegno was more comfortable dealing with guys maybe he had coached against before that he he knew, and that's why he selected these guys. But in general with this roster, I'm surprised that they didn't bring more young players. At opposite, they have, of course, Amir Gafour, Saber Kazemi in 1998, and another interesting player for Iran, Bardia Sadat, who played in Serbia last year in Okinis and is playing actually got selected as one of the Korean players next year 
only 18 or 19, I guess now, years old, born in 2002, good size, good athleticism, haven't seen him play a ton, but he did win opposite at the U19 Asian Championship. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets any playing time. At outside hitter, we have Malata Badapur, Porya Fayazi, two standard names, Mohamed Manavi, who I felt like was, you know, we got to see a lot of on Verona a few years ago, but has played in Iran the next, uh, the last couple of years, actually returning to France for next year. But we'll see if he's improved since his last stint in Europe. Then, of course, we have Amir Isfandiar, the U21 2019 MVP. Looking forward to him getting some good reps on the senior national team. And another young guy playing in Iran last year, Mesem Salahi, who's actually signed to Polish club Olshin for next year. So it's too bad. I feel like we're going to get to see a lot more of these guys, some of these younger guys next year signing to European clubs. It's really tough to follow some of these Iranian players when they play in Iran. Then middle blockers, we have Musavi, Gulami, Ali Shafi, Ali Asghar Mojarad, and Reza Abedini. So yeah, Musavi, pretty standard, although he didn't have the best season last year. Mojarad, I guess you can consider a prospect at 21. Played in Iran last year, though. Never played outside of, of Iran. And then the other three is, is, are strange to me. Gulami, Shafi, and Abedini. All guys who are a little older, not much experience playing outside of Iran. So I would say middle blocker seems clearly to be their weakest position. But, you know, maybe it's just guys who are more comfortable playing with Maruf because, you know, <laughs> you need a very uh, good connection with the kind of sets that he's tossing up. You need a pretty pinpoint accuracy. So maybe that's why they chose these experienced middles instead of, you know, someone like Amir Tukte, who played in Slovenia last year, you know, was a younger, more athletic, more bouncy, you know, maybe more talented prospect than any of these guys. But, you know, maybe just doesn't have the connection, the experience to to feed off of Maruf. Then Libero, we have Hazrapur, who seems like he's probably going to be the only, you know, young player to, to start on this team. And then Arman Salehi, who I'm going to be honest, I do not know much about him, but I, I can wager that the majority of the time we're going to see Hazrapur. So would I change Iran? Probably not. I mean, they brought pretty much all their major players, most of the same guys who did very well for them in VNL 2019. So I think this ranking is, is still about appropriate. You know, maybe if they get hot, they finish a little higher. If some of their older players are, are looking a little rougher and, and you know haven't played against top level competition because they've all been playing in Iran, you know, we could see them fall a little bit. Now, no offense to Iran, but I probably wouldn't consider them a serious contender to win Nations League. But the next five teams probably wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams won it. And at number five for Nations League, I have France. And I mean, you guys probably already know the names on this team. Some of volleyball's most elite players, guys like Ben Taniuti, Irvin Engapit, Jenny Grabenikov, some of the best at their positions. But what's interesting for France right now is they kind of have this weird mix of this team, you know, that won the 2015-2017 World League. And some guys who have taken a little bit longer to develop. So I'm just going to break it down position by position because, in my opinion, France is probably the most interesting team to do this with. So outside hitter, you have one of the locks on the team, Irvin Enkapet. I know he didn't have his best season playing in Zenit Kazan this year, but in my opinion, he's still for sure one of the top outside hitters in the world and brings a lot of value to this team. Then the second one is a bit of a question mark. Two of the players that have featured here prominently the last two seasons, Kevin Tilly and Julian Liniel, in my opinion, are probably not the best choices. Kevin Tilly definitely looks like he's lost quite a bit of athleticism and did not have a great season in the last place Italian team Cisterna. 
of course, the coach being his dad, you know, he might still make the roster, but in my opinion, he probably would not be the best player to bring. Then you have Julian Liniel, who do not play professionally this season, so pretty tough to justify his inclusion as well. He's also been dealing with some injury issues. Being an older, undersized outside hitter, that's not the best combination. So you're left with three guys, in my opinion. Probably the person who I would pick, Trevor Cleveno. Had a great season this year in Italy. Personally, I would go with Irvin Engapet. Grabenikov is a locks. Ben Taniuti starting and trying to build around his playing style like they did in Zaxa. Then Chininez, Lagoff, Patry. And for my second outside hitter, I would probably go with Trevor Cleveno. France has the talent to win this tournament, for sure. They won in 2015 and 2017. France, for sure, has the talent to win this tournament. But part of me thinks that the prime time for this group of players, their window was probably three or four years ago. We'll see you this summer. So if you guys haven't heard of the VLA before, it is a professional men's volleyball league in the United States of America. That's right. You know, not in Europe, not in Asia, actually in America. And they just had a big event called the VLA Cup this weekend, which you can check out on their YouTube channel, VLA Volleyball. And I know what you're thinking, okay, it's pro volleyball in the United States, it's never going to work. But actually, there's a lot of smart people behind this one. And if you guys go check out those YouTube videos, the level of play is actually quite, quite high. There's a lot of guys there that could easily be playing on professional rosters overseas. But, you know, for a lot of guys, the reward for playing overseas is not really worth the sacrifice you have to make, especially if you're not really in consideration for any of the national team rosters. But you're, you're still good enough to play overseas. But... You know, you're never going to be in the Olympics or something like that. That's the kind of player you can find there. Very fun. You know, they do a great job. Like I said, Rob St. Clair, worth watching just for his commentary alone. He really knows his stuff and is very exciting element to the game. They also produce the entire thing from behind, which I, you know, if you've listened to my stuff before, you know that I think that's the ideal angle in volleyball. You know, they're still figuring out some of the production stuff, but it's getting a lot closer. Anyway, over the weekend, Team Ruckus takes the championship, which you know to me is interesting because they had this kind of tiered system, tier one and tier two, and Ruckus was, won the whole thing, you know, fairly confidently from tier two. Aaron Kuby was the MVP, the former UC Irvine player, and we'll see. I think this league has a ton of potential. I think it's the definitely the best attempt we've seen at men's professional volleyball in a while. And when you combine this and Athletes Unlimited, I think professional American volleyball in North America is probably in a better place than it has been in quite a long time. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Remember to tell your friends, subscribe to the podcast or follow or whatever it is if you haven't already. We got a few more of these to do before we commence with the VNL, try and get them out as soon as possible. Also a YouTube video doing VNL preview or YouTube videos going on the YouTube channel 51 Volleyball. Remember VLA Volleyball YouTube. Check that out, eurovolley.tv for European qualifiers, and I will talk to you guys next time.